Diego and Claudia, would you please come and join me here? If you are new to our church in the last five years, then that is since the Cardonas last visited us, although it is a friendship that goes back about 20 years, right, Diego? Uh, not only a friendship and a partnership with this particular church, but also with our region and the Fellowship International. When 20 years ago they were studying here in Canada and were sent back into Columbia as missionaries, as church planters. And now our region is working on planting seminary work, correct, with our immersion program that is in our seminary in Abbotsford and Langley, and working with a Spanish program now in Columbia. It's a privilege to welcome you into our pulpit this morning, Diego and Claudia. You're going to give a, a brief word update on your ministry there, and not only as a, as a missionary, as a church planner, but as a pastor. Let me pray for you. Lord, we seek your will in all things. If there is any deafness in us this morning, I pray that as the word is opened that you would heal us, for you are our maker, and Lord, even more profoundly, there's not only deafness, there is actually deadness in us, that we need resurrection, life, and power. And so on this Lord's Day, would you demonstrate again your power to us through your servants, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Buenos dias. Oh, this sounds great. So I can preach in Spanish. Very great. You have great connections to Colombia. First of all, these two flags together, beautiful. Two countries getting together for the kingdom of God, beautiful. Second um, um, connection is with coffee. You drink lots of coffee. <laughs> Keep drinking coffee. <laughs> That's very good for our economy. Because Colombia produces the best coffee in the world, so I always and that's true, that's true. We, we can discuss it later, but I mean. But another connection for this morning was with the day camp you're going to have. Children are going to have this day camp. What's the name of the camp? Roar. Roar. So you're learning some Spanish right there. Because one little difficult thing in Spanish is to roar your, your R's. So you're going to practice it. Like, instead of roar, like in the back, it's in front. Roar. Oh, it sounds nice. So it would be a very interesting thing in the camp, you know, learning some Spanish right there. So after living here in Canada, we were sent by Canadian churches to our homeland as national missionaries. We have been doing church planting, helping national church to be missional and compassionate to the poor, so being reaching the natives of Colombia in many places, difficult places of Colombia, and reaching out the poor also while doing church planting. So far, we have 14 church plant ch churches already, and some of them are doing their own church planting, which is great. It's a kind of a new stage in the development of the Colombian field, when we see our churches planting churches by themselves. And also, we are uh, sending missionaries uh, in Colombia about dreaming in the future, sending missionaries even to Canada, because I know that you guys have a wonderful challenge, and I, I mean wonderful challenge, to share the gospel in this beautiful land of Canada. I know that it's difficult days for you, 
when it comes to give a testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ and a testimony faithfully to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are doing that in Colombia. My wife is going to share a bit about how is our family and uh, how is the social work, which is a very important aspect of our ministry. We do preach the gospel, but we also uh, practice the gospel in helping lots of people in need in Colombia. So my wife is going to share a bit about it. Good morning. 21 years ago, we came with two kids, Daniel and Tanya. Now we have grandchildren. We have three. We are very, very happy being grandpas at church. This morning in the first service was really nice to know that I'm among all the grandpas too. Uh, so, but I want to share a little bit about one situation that you might be aware through the news and it's all the Venezuelan uh, problem that we are facing. As being the closest country, uh, we are facing every day uh, hundreds and thousands of Venezuelans coming to Colombia. Two million and a half of them have gone through the uh, borders. We have million and a half still in our cities. Most of them uh, as a homeless, entire families uh, selling candies and coffee in the street, begging. A really sad situation is coming to church as a big need, an overwhelming situation for all of us because we don't know how to handle this um, huge um, poverty and, and situation. So if you can remember Venezuela and the need for all the Christians in Colombia, how can we help this country in a way that is not just like a band-aid, but giving them hope and support, economical support, jobs, and so If God doesn't come soon to this country, we're going to face a huge crisis in our country because all the system can be broken because so many people go into hospitals and so uh, please pray for us. But another thing that make me feel very, very happy is um, to work with a community in our country. In our city of 4 million people, we have 20,000 deaf, deaf people. Um, they, they are learning the language just in the last 35 years. Before that, it was prohibited for them to speak sign language, but they start coming to our church because they, one of um, our mates in, a, in the pastoral team is an expert in sign language. So some of them have been at church for the last four years, and we have 40 coming every Sunday for Sunday service, for uh, worshiping and discipleship and everything uh, they've been like together with us so it's uh, something really uh, good for our community because it's like across the street we have a mission field and when they come and met, the, met Jesus and grow as a disciples they go across the street and they are missionaries in our own country they are sharing the gospel with their families so that's something that 
is really beautiful. Kids and elders, everybody learning sign language in our church, uh, but also seeing these guys listening for the first time in their lives about the Bible because they were really isolated. So those two things for you to remember when you think in Colombia. Uh, please pray for this opportunity to serve the, the deaf community in our city. Thank you. Please open your Bibles. Mark chapter 7, I'm going to preach on verse 31 all the way till 37. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into the, his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were, his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word from God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful opportunity to, to be together. Two countries celebrating your grace, your love. As Pastor Barry was saying, we are deaf. We need many areas and aspects of our lives to be opened, to be released, to speak plainly of your works and wonders. Come, Holy Spirit, help us to understand the gospel deeply in a way that we cannot stop but talk to people wherever we are and serve in your name. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. This passage of the Gospel of Mark is written in a way that is producing some sort of crescendo from the verse 31 till the verse 37. In grammar, as well in Spanish as well as in English, we use some words to describe things. English has lots of adjectives, way, way more than Spanish, I think, to express the meaning or the impact of a given situation, in this case, 
a miracle and dealings of Jesus, things that he's doing with a specific person. I don't have many words in English. My English is very short. So I need your help. So I'm not sure if on the screen we're going to have some words or not. Are we going to have them all on the screen? OK. Oh, can you see that? OK. Those are adjectives. So here is the, here is the thing. I will read one verse, and you will tell me what adjective you're going to use or you think being used or better use to describe what's going on in that verse. You think you can help me? I need help. And especially be especially merciful with me when it comes to adjectives like this. Supercalifragilisticsepiceptiodoshes. No, be merciful. English is so complicated. And come down to Colombia. Spanish is so easy. Okay. I'm going to give you the first one anyways. Um, then the scripture itself will give us the last one. Verse 31. Then he, Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went through, the, through, through Sidon, Sidon and to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Capulets. You know, kind of strange words, you know, places. Uh, we need those who have been studying the book of Mark to give us some understanding of this scripture. They said that Jesus is moving away from crowds. He was doing a sort of a short mission trip. Some believe even it was like a sabbatical before the last week, which is more important for the, for the book of, of Mark as well as the rest of the Gospels. Uh, just the idea of Jesus was away from Jewish territory where not much knowledge about him or about the Bible. So I will use the word, that's the first one, interesting. I found that the word interesting is very interesting in Canadian culture. You use the word interesting when something is appealing, so you say interesting. When you have no other adjective to use, you say interesting. Even when things are a little disgusting to you, you say, oh, interesting. So you have to look at the face of the person to try to understand what, inter what that interesting means in that situation. But in this case, it's just interesting. Jesus is moving away. He's kind of doing missions, taking his disciples for a break sort of thing before the last and the most important aspect of his ministry. Okay, 32. And you will help me. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Some comments about this thing is that they didn't know much about Jesus. It's certain that they were non-believers, Mm, possible they even were non-Jewish, 
and they were bringing a person to Jesus. It's very interesting too, but some believe that also there is a piece of superstition here. They didn't ask Jesus to preach the gospel to them. They just want Jesus to touch the guy. Could be family members bringing the guy, could be friends bringing the guy. It's like in Colombia, lots of prosperity gospel around. People want to have this Jesus of the miracles, but they don't want to have much about Jesus of the gospel. So what adjective do you use for this 32 verse? Tell me. Mysterious? What else? Tell me. Strange? Okay. You speak English, do you? <laughs> Help me. Okay, use one of those if you want. Curious? Yeah. Surprising? Yeah. Exciting? Non-believers bringing somebody to Jesus. Exciting? Something's going on here. God is doing something. Okay, let's go 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. What do you think about that one? <laughs> what adjective do you use? Yes, gross. Thank you for that one. I don't like that. Imagine Pastor Paul and Pastor Barry having, you know, a new ministry in church. A spitting ministry. Come this Wednesday, Wednesday night for a spitting ministry. And he will touch his tongue so you, you could preach the gospel or something like that. You know, you may say, interesting, but for certain you won't show up. Okay. Yeah, that was very personal, very unique way of dealing with this person. Taking a person away from the crowd, doing something that Jesus never did before. In the next chapter, he's, he's going to do it again, but first time. Weird. If you see Jesus treating a person in a particular way, Besides the crowd, what kind of religion is that one? Okay, 34. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. We can say that this was one word prayer. That was the whole thing Jesus said. He didn't say anything else, but Ephatha, the Gospel of Mark, there are six times when the writer uses Aramaic words for Jesus. And in, in my opinion, it has to do with the impact. There are some things that the word doesn't, doesn't need to be translated because there's a specific power about the word of God. Like when this morning, Pastor Barry was reading on the Psalms, and so powerful. We need those words. 
to open our hearts. We have lots of information in media and television and internet and Netflix. We got lots of words, but we need the word of God. Just one word, one word prayer. But some believe that that was a preaching too. That was a sermon. One word sermon. Imagine. Powerful. So what adjective do you use for that? Help me. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. One word. Imagine one word sermon. Much better than, you know, putting up with me for half an hour. What else? Stunning. Astonishing. Perplexing. He didn't say anything else but be open. No arguments, no reasons, no discussion, no talking back and forth, trying to convince you. Just be open, like convert, come to Jesus, believe. Some people are just waiting to answer all the questions they have before they come to Jesus. But here, just be open. Next, thirty-five. His ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Beautiful. It's a process right there. It's a process. Open, released, plainly. Isaiah described the spiritual life of Humanity, the chapter 35, as deaf. We are dead and we are deaf. There is a process for us when we, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, regeneration, we are able to listen. And then there is a way of the Word of God working with our twisted world to be released. And then there is a way for us to be plainly, to fulfill the purpose of our life. So if the tongue was to speak, so now it's speaking. So what adjective do you use for that one? Astonishing, thrilling, I would say beautiful. How God works is so beautiful. And just the gospel is just describing from an external perspective what was happening inside. Okay, 36. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more seriously they proclaimed it. Jesus was telling them not to talk about this. What do you think about it? What adjective do you use? Yes, it's weird. Aren't we supposed to share the gospel? To tell anyone about Jesus? Here's the explanation for that. Jesus didn't want to compromise his ministry in terms of Jesus is not just for doing miracles. That's why he was moving away from the crowds all the time. The main thing Jesus does in our life is not healings 
or prosperity or anything, any miracle you need. There is one miracle that is way, 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 way more important in our lives. From the eternity perspective, we could understand it better. So Jesus didn't want to compromise his gospel in like people thinking that he came here just for miracles. On the other hand, Jesus wanted them to have a complete gospel to be preached. He wanted them to wait till the last week when he was giving his life, when he was going to be resurrected from the dead. So he wanted, whenever we want to talk about Jesus, talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, a complete gospel. That's why he was many times in the book of Mark asking people not to tell, not to tell. But interestingly enough, they couldn't stop but telling people. Imagine they were disobeying Jesus. So what kind of adjective do you use? It's weird. Odd. Why they couldn't stop? What, what kind of energy, what kind of thing moved them to disobey Jesus? And the writer of the gospel, Mark, is telling us that was such a power inside of them that they couldn't stop but telling people that he did so, even against his own will. Now we come to the last verse in our passage today, verse 37. And I'm not going to ask you about the adjective because it's right there. And they were astonished beyond measure. That expression is only there in the whole New Testament. And Mark tells us the description of the impact in these people in their own mouths. They started confessing something. This is what they confessed. He, Jesus, has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. To some regard, it has to do with the fact that um, being deaf was even worse than being blind or having any other physical uh, handicap or difficulty those days. If you were to ask somebody those days if they preferred to be blind or deaf, they immediately say blind. Because being deaf is being so isolated without understanding what's going on. There was, there was no language for them. Most of them were abused and rejected, begging in the streets, without knowing what was going on, without listening, I love you. And when people touched them, like many kids nowadays, it was for abuse, not for love. So they, they were kind of prisoners in their own body. This is why the Bible challenges always with this thing of whoever has ears, hear. Because we are somehow prisoners of our own deafness. 
So the confession was so great that the Gospel of Mark placed it before the most important confession in the Gospels. That comes in the chapter 8, 27, when Peter says, the confession of the faith, you are, you are the Son of God. But before that, conf that confession, there is this other confession. He's good. He has done everything good. Think about it. The guy was sick for many, many, many years. God could avoid this problem. So when we talk about the goodness of God, we are talking kind of heavy theology. Everything he has done is good. Even allowed, allowing this guy to be deaf till the age of, who knows, he was an adult, struggling with this situation for all his life. And now the crowd is confessing, he's done everything well. It's more than a doctrinal declaration. It's a piece of our faith that has to be straight. Here is the point. You cannot come to Jesus unless you are overwhelmed with amazement of the goodness of God. It's like going to the dentist. I have been going to the dentist several times during the last weeks with my, with my age. Uh, my, my dentals show that I'm old. If you want to see the age of a person, don't go to Facebook. See the dents. And I can prove it. So I have been having lots of problems. You never go to the dentist for fun. <laughs> if you know that person that is, oh, I'm going to have fun, I go to the dentist, don't follow that person. <laughs> because you not just have lots of pain, especially with this beautiful sound that goes to the deep, deepest parts of your soul. <laughs> but also you pay for that. You know, aren't you crazy? You're paying for pain. By the way, you should come to Colombia because in Colombia we have a wonderful medical system and dentist, and they are way, way cheaper than here. You, spend, you have a nice vacation, visit us, which is such a blessing, and, and you have your pain anyways. You don't go to the dentist, even if it's painful and expensive, if you don't really believe it's going to be good for you. You might not understand the whole thing. You know, you don't understand the whole thing. You, you open your mouth and let him work. <laughs> but you think it's going to be good for me. Even if after a couple of weeks I still have some pain, but it's going to be good for me. You cannot come to Jesus for salvation or sanctification unless you strongly believe he's good. Everything he does is good. It's good for his glory, for his glorious name. And it is good for his church, for his people. So you got to believe that. 
So here is the challenge. For Christians like, like myself, I'm 53. We see our past, our history, and we always confess he's been so good. Even in those times of difficulty in Colombia, we got, lot, we got lots of violence for a couple of decades. Lots of poverty, lots of difficulties. But even in difficult situations, you see, you see back your history, and you say, you say, God is so good. He orchestrated everything for our good and for his glory. And he, he put his hands and he touched our lives. He did everything so good. If you're not yet in that point, come to the gospel. The gospel and the scriptures will help you to evaluate your life in a way that you could understand why and what for all those things happen. But here is the challenge. Placing this confession before Peter's confession is a way for, for Mark to tell us that we should confess the goodness of God in Christ, not just in evaluating our past, but also in announcing our future. Not just for my past, I can say, it's been good, but also for my future. I confess, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be great. He's gonna orchestrate everything for his glory and for the goodness of his people because he is good. And you have to believe that. Otherwise, you will fight with God. Otherwise, your heart will be full of resentment. God is good. So, Mark puts this exclamation on the crowd's mouth. So everybody could confess that God is good. You have to confess it by faith, not because you have demonstrated that everything you know how is going to be good. You have to confess it by faith. That's why I remember the story of a missionary in South America, Chile and Argentina. His name was Alan Gardiner, an English missionary 19th century. He suffered lots of difficulties in his ministry. He was beaten, he was rejected, he was sent back home by govern governors of those lands. By the end of his life, he was placed in a little island called Piton, down south, left alone without food, till the point that he was dead for starvation. When they found his body, they found his journal. The last entry in his journal said exactly these words. I'm amazed with the goodness of God. A guy like that 
has to have an eternal perspective for his life. Eternal perspective. Do you have that? To help you out, I have three questions for you. Are you willing to see other people bring you to Jesus? Here is the thing. If you believe God's good, so you will allow others to pray for you and to speak into your lives. I want to be respectfully but a little challenging with you. Canadians are so self-sufficient. You have it all. You know it all. Like in, in your house, you have all the tools you need. It's very different than in Colombia. In Colombia, if I know that my, that my neighbor has a nice hammer, so I don't buy a hammer. You know why? Because you feel much honored when somebody asks you for a favor. When you go to Colombia in a, mission, in a short mission trip, you're going to send a mission trip to a city. And um, I ask, all, whenever you go, I, 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 I tell Canadians, ask for favors, even if you don't need it. If you're in a shopping center, say to somebody, do you know what is this such and such uh, business? I want to go there. Because different to Canadians, they don't feel you are a burden. You are not taking my time. We are not time-oriented, by, by the way. So you are just giving me an opportunity to serve you. You, you trust in me. I'm so important to you that you are asking me a favor. It's a different perspective. Cultural, you know, cultural. But here is the point. If God is good in everything he does, would you allow people to bring you to Jesus? Are you going to ask your brothers and sisters here in the church, pray for me? I need your prayers. Are you going to ask youth? Are you going to ask your old guys to give you advice, to speak into your lives? I'm dating this girl. What do you think about? Would you pray for me? In this scripture, the deaf guy doesn't have an idea what's going on. Sometimes you're just asking for people to pray for you, to give the advice, to, to, to preach the gospel to you even in situations when you have no idea what's going on. Second question. Are you willing to see Jesus take you aside? I mean, take you aside like Jesus did with this guy for a weird stuff. I love testimonies, and in Colombia we do lots of testimonies because the Bible tells us to share what God is doing in our lives. But sometimes I get kind of confused about testimonies because you're listening a testimony, like somebody come, you know, speak up front and say, I just received this provision from God. I needed this money, and somehow in a miraculous way God gave me this money, and we say, oh, wonderful, praise the Lord. But you sit there and you think, I want to have the same treatment. We all want to have the same treatment. We don't want to have special treatments, unique treatments, something that Jesus has done with no one else but, what, but with you and to you. So are you willing to 
accept the treatment of Jesus when it's not the same that you have been clapping at for others, that is so unique and sometimes even so weird. When you tell your Lord, Father, what are you doing here? I don't get the point. I ask you to bless my business, and now it's broken. I ask you to bless this relationship with this beautiful girl, and now she left me. But remember, Jesus is inviting you to accept special treatment. Then the third question, are you willing to bring others to Jesus? There are two moments in this scripture when people bring others to Jesus, like the deaf person is brought to Jesus, but also by the end of the scripture, it says they couldn't stop at talking about Jesus. And I, and I want, from the bottom of my heart, tell you, you Canadians are suffering this wonderful and beautiful country because you are living in a country where you cannot speak much about Jesus. It's like if you make bad jokes, that's okay. But if in work, in public, in the schools, university, in the plaza, you say, I want to pray, you're, you're almost taken to jail. We don't have that situation in Colombia. We might have it in the future. But I think it's time for you guys to think that you're bringing people to Jesus, even when they don't understand, even when they don't want you to take them to Jesus. Even when you just go to your neighbor and say, I want to be as polite as Canadian as I am, but I have this message from you, from God to you. I want to pray for you. I want to share a little bit of my encounter with God. I know, I know that it's not polite. I know that it's not appropriate. I know that this picture nowadays in the Canadian multicultural a society is not well pictured, but from the bottom of my heart, I want you to meet Jesus, even if it's too much costly for you. It's a time for you to bring others to Jesus, even though they don't really understand, because you know it's going to be good for them, because God is good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be together and to share not just what's happening in Colombia and in our ministry, but especially what's happening in your heart and how you want to reach out through us, how you want to touch our hearts in a unique and special way. Help us to be your instruments. Help us in those places where we are Death, places where we don't understand what's going on. Help us to be brave enough to pay the cost of bringing others to Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.